Thank you for checking out the Mercy Hill Church Sermon Podcast. If you would like to know more about Mercy Hill, you can visit us on the web at mercyhill.cc. This week, uh, Travis is going to be sharing God's Word. So Travis, you want to come on up? He's... He's, I can only imagine he's extremely nervous right now and maybe terrified. It might be, I don't know if that's the right word or not, but um, <laughs> sorry. It's, it's hard to get up in front of 100 people and, and you know, share. So um, I can only imagine how nervous he is right now. But um, I want to say this. <laughs> I want to say this. Regardless... God's word, as we open God's word together this morning, we come with an expectation that God is going to speak. Not because of necessarily the messenger, but because we believe the Holy Spirit is the one who imparts truth and gives us understanding. So as we come before God's word today, we come with an expectation and an anticipation that the Holy Spirit is going to speak to us, is going to reveal Jesus to us, and is going to turn our eyes to him this morning. And so um, I just want to pray. Let's commit our time to the Lord and just really ask him to, um, as Travis uh, brings God's word, that we would, we would be, have open hearts. So Lord Jesus, thank you this morning for the gift of your word. God, that you continue to speak to us day after day, generation after generation. You continue to reveal yourself to us. And you continue to transform us to become more like you. So God, we pray this morning that your Holy Spirit would soften our hearts, give us the faith to receive your word. God, we pray for Travis, Lord, that you would just uh, fill him with your spirit, Lord, and that you would give him the words to speak. Because God, we need your word. Lord Jesus, we are hungry for your word this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. So I just, I want to go back over your advice real quick uh, before we started. Uh, eat lots of food, drink lots of water, uh, stand still, breathe fast, talk fast, and lock my knees out, right? Is that? Okay, cool. I just I want to make sure. The lock the knees part is a real, that's, that's what I really want to make sure I do, right? Okay, cool. Thanks so much. Um, thank you all for letting me come out. Um, this is great having this thing attached to my head, too. That's really cool. Um, Thank you for letting me come. I actually um, tried to get out of this a couple times, to be honest with you. And uh, I'm so thankful that I've got a pastor who will push me into those uncomfortable areas. And I'm so thankful that um, I'm in a church that loves loves me and um, cares for me. And uh, so, uh, but thank you for this opportunity. And the Lord really ministered to me in this process. So, I want you to know I'm not coming off the mountaintop here, okay? This isn't, a, I'm not coming off the mountaintop. Obviously, my face isn't radiating or anything like that. I, I am, um, I had to redig some wells in order to prepare for today. I had to go back to some watering holes in my past um, where God really met me and ministered to me, okay? So, um, and he did. And I'm still thankful for it because I, I, in this process of preparing this message and preparing my heart, um, the Lord reminded me of my past and how time and time again he met me and how time and time again he was faithful. 
and the mercy that was available to me, that Johnny was talking about as he shared the word this morning, uh, that mercy is available to us today, and it's available to me right now, and it was available to me through this process of preparing. So, uh, Josh, what's the thing called that you, you know, shock people with? What is that? A defibrillator. Do you have that ready? It's a, okay, great. But you just, just, if I just, you know, just ready to rock and roll, okay? So, don't lock the knees. Oh, okay, I see. All right. Thanks. Very helpful. Um, uh, so, yeah, uh, buckle up, Mercy Hill. So, uh, here we go. I'm going to pray real quick again. Not that I don't, you know, yours was great, but I, I need it pretty bad. So, um, God, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord God. You are relevant, Lord. You are relevant, God. You are applicable at all times, and your word will never come back void, Lord. And so, God, we pray right now, Lord, that you would help me communicate, that you would get glory this morning, God, that you would um, meet us, God, and that our vision of you would be expanded, that our, our, um, our gaze would be at you this morning, Lord. God, we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So I'm going to start off the American Psychiatric Association and its, and its DSM manual. This is kind of like its user's, user's manual for the human psyche. Has described the core feature of panic attacks as a period of intense fear or discomfort that strikes suddenly, often in familiar places, where there is seemingly nothing threatening an individual. But when the attack comes, it feels as if there is a real threat and the body reacts accordingly. The discomfort and sense of danger the attack brings is so intense that people with panic disorder often believe they're having a heart attack or other life-threatening illness. Symptoms include sweating, shortness of breath, rapid or pounding heartbeat, chest pain, feeling unsteady, choking or smothering, numbness or tingling, chills or hot flashes, faintness, feeling unreal or disconnected, fear of losing control, going crazy, quote-unquote, or dying. And I would add to that if I were a licensed psychiatrist, um, which I am not, uh, an overall sense of dread and impending doom. That sounds very exciting, doesn't it? Um, so in 2006, I had my first panic attack. Uh, I was about to graduate college. Amy was about to have a baby. We had to find a new place to live because married student housing was kicking us out of married student housing. I needed to get a job and provide for my new family since Amy was no longer going to be the breadwinner of the family. So there was a little bit sitting on, on the shoulders here. So, um... I was in my history of Brazil class. Where's Camila and, and Mave? Where are they? They're there. History of Brazil class. Thank you so much, Brazil, for that. Um, and I was sitting there listening to the prof lecture, and uh, it, was, it, was a, it was a great lecture. It was good. I was really interested. Got to learn some stuff about Teddy Roosevelt through it, who, uh, who uh, I think is a fascinating uh, figure, but uh, and Brazil is a fascinating place. It's just a, it's a exotic place. So I loved it. But anyway, so I'm sitting there. Life's great. 
no issues, having a great day, about to graduate, about to get out and, and start my life, about to have a kid. And I sat there and I was like, my chest goes, mm-hmm. And I was like, uh, that did not feel right. And so I got up, I shimmied out of the class, went to the room and, and went to the bathroom. My face is sweating. I've got just the sweats. And, um, and I'm like, I'm looking at myself in the mirror. I'm having one of those like, look at yourself, kind of like better pull it together, man, kind of, kind of poses in the bathroom, you know? So uh, it was then I called a buddy, skipped, class, skipped the rest of class because I wasn't going to make it through, obviously. Call up a buddy, hey, dude, I need you now. Get me to the hospital. I'm, something's going on. Everybody in my family's had heart attacks. We're all from the South, so we all eat fried foods. That's what we, that's what we do. You know, it's in the morning, you know, we don't even grill our own hamburgers. We fry our hamburgers, and then we eat our, that's what we do, you know. It's all cast iron skillet cooking, okay. So, um, so I'm like, I know this is it, you know. It's just because I'm fit, you know. I was, I was 30 pounds less at the time, and, and uh, they've got me jacked into EKGs at the ER. I'm like, this is, you know, I call my wife. Just call my wife. You tell her I love her, you know. And, and uh, so, just, uh, so this, that was at UT Medical Center. And, um, but then they, they kind of calmed down, and it kind of went away. And life kind of went back to, to business as usual. They resurfaced again in 2007. Um, obviously, the economy was struggling at that time, and, and um, I, I began to experience them again, except this time with increased frequency and intensity, and um, I was coming unglued. It was, very, uh, it was a very difficult time for me. I lived in a state of panic um, with an unrelenting sense of dread, and I was a believer. I loved the Lord serving God in my church. Uh, I was pursuing the Lord uh, personally, uh, but I couldn't escape or reason with these issues. And if you're here today and you've got things that you struggle with, you know what I'm talking about. Other people, they can't come into your mind. They can't come into your struggle uh, in the midst of that. And so it's very hard to describe it. People just think, oh, you need that faith, or oh, it's a faith issue. And that's not helpful in those times. I just want everybody to know that. Um, so, um, but I was ruled by fear. My mind felt near to breaking. Uh, I felt I was going to die at any time from a massive heart attack. Um, once I got, you know, and that was obviously in my career at that point, I had to leave work uh, multiple times. This was a period of just a, this went on for all year and then even into the next year in 2008. So I was a shell of a man. My family, I didn't feel I could actually depend on me. I had two kids at the time. And I felt, and as a man, you know what it's like when you feel like your, your, your family can't depend on you. They can't rely on you. Like you're the weak link in the family and, and your wife's having to hold you together. Uh, it's very difficult and even plunged me into, um, into some depression as well. Uh, as if I needed something more to deal with. So... But there were, um, and at one time I started taking antidepressants, and uh, I think it was actually, uh, that didn't matter what it was called, but um, so I'm taking antidepressants, I, I can say now that I know what they're talking about when they say on the bottle that side effects can include thoughts of suicide. I've always like, why wouldn't you ever take anything that said thoughts of suicide as a side effect? I was cradled up in the fetal position in my wife's lap. 
barely hanging on to reality. So I, um, and I thought, I can't live like this. I'm not going to, I cannot go on like this. Um, sleepless nights, woke my wife up several times, um, and, and uh, I need you to pray for me, or I need you to read God's word to me, and, and, or I would go into my living room and I would just rock back and forth reading uh, the promises of God until I passed out from exhaustion, just from lack of sleep. And obviously, and throughout this whole period, several times, going to the hospital, jacking me into the EKG, you know, shaving my chest, which is great for men with chest hair because we've got to shave our chest and it's itchy and, you know, and, um, and then stress tests and all this stuff. So I went through all that. Um, now, I share all that. I don't want panic to be the focus. What I want to focus on today, I want to... What I want us to, 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 what I'm trying to draw your attention to, because you may not relate to the panic attacks. You may hear that and you think, ah, well, I'm not really, I'm, I'm not connecting to that. Uh, it doesn't really mean much to me. Um, what I'm hoping is that I'm going to connect a little bit of my story with a little bit of your story, and hopefully we can connect at the foot of the cross. Okay, we can connect at the foot of, of Jesus and have him care for all of us, no matter what any of wherever you guys are at. Because I think, I'm going to go out on a limb here. I don't think it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, a long limb, but I, I, there are people in here who are suffering. You are dealing with real things, and you feel alone because no one else can identify with what you're experiencing. And that is hard for you. That's very difficult for you. And I want to care for you today, and I want to point us to God's word. So I felt, as I was going through that valley of the shadow of death experience, um, no one else could talk me down from the ledge. No one else could uh, understand what I was dealing with. Um, No one else could be in my head with this craziness that was going on. You could not reason with me. Um, But it also means this, is that I had the opportunity to take my journey with Jesus Christ alone. And nobody can rob me of that because I got to see him minister to me in a real, relevant, powerful way. And I've got that. And so if you may not be able to connect with that, you can connect with the fact that that Jesus is with us every step of the way. And he was with me in a real way. And he comforted me. And I want to comfort God's people today. So uh, if you have your Bibles... um, if you want to turn to Isaiah 42, 1 through 3, I'm going to read some, uh, that, that portion of Scripture. In the Pew Bible, it's page 602. So um, if you need a Pew Bible, it's right there in front of you. It should be. Uh, and it's page 602. So Isaiah 42, 1 through 3. Isaiah 42, behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, and whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him, and he will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. A bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. 
he will faithfully bring forth justice. So a brief word on context here for Isaiah. Isaiah is talking about the actual nation of Israel and the king as its representative is to embody this. This is the role God's people are to play in the world at that time. Now, Matthew picks up on this. Matthew picks up where Israel leaves off. Israel struggles with that, as we know. Um, Israel has a hard time fulfilling God's mission for it. But Matthew picks up on it and directly connects Jesus to the suffering servant. Matthew is witnessing Jesus healing the multitudes, caring for the sick. He's witnessing people lower paralytics down through the roof, doing over they can to get to, the, get to Jesus, ripping off roof tiles and, and getting at Jesus. Women fighting through the crowds just to touch the hem of his garment. He's seeing that. And he makes a direct connection to Jesus as the Messiah, the one who can fulfill, the one who does care for the broken, the one who does um, meet uh, the people where they are and, as, uh, and, and ultimately reach the Gentiles, which is us, thank God. So let's jump in both feet here, okay? Now, there's three things I want us to consider, three questions. As you're reading this, and you're reading a bruised reed he will not break, and a faintly burning wick he will not quench. Sometimes this doesn't connect with real life. If you're in the midst of your suffering, and I'm in the midst of, of the, the issues I was walking through, that doesn't, doesn't connect right off the bat. And that's what I want to do today. I want to, I, I, my heart is to, is to connect that for us. Because that doesn't often feel like that. The pain is sometimes the only thing that seems real. So... What's the read? That's the first question. What's the read? What does it mean that Jesus won't break a reed or put out a wick? Why does he allow us to be bruised to begin with? What's that all about? So those three questions. What's the read? What does it mean that Jesus won't break the reed or put out the wick? And why does he allow us to be bruised to begin with? Now the read. What's the read? What's that all about? The reeds aren't typically part of our vocabulary. We, you know, um, we, we don't typically notice them very much. Um, so um, a reed is a stalk of any plant. It's slender and fragile. And here it's used as a symbol of weakness and instability. Great. Great. That's really great so we're in this world where there's a lot of broken things there's a lot of people crashing into each other there's a lot of hurt there's a lot of there's a lot of suffering in this world and we are reeds a bent reed which is a bruised reed it can't even support its own weight so once it's been damaged it can't even hold itself up now, the burning wick, I want you guys to picture the burning wick or the smoldering wick or the King James Version calls it the smoldering flax. Um, I want you guys to picture a candle that you've just blown out. You've just blown out the candle. Now, you look at the candle. You look at the end of that wick and you see the ember. It's still glowing orange. You can still see it. It's just going to be there for just a few more seconds, but it's still there. 
It's producing all the smoke. It's about to go out, and it's close to being snuffed out. But it's barely hanging on, and that's, that's the picture we're going for here. So um, that was me. I was brought near to breaking, and I was nearly extinguished and snuffed out. And that may be some of you here today. And I just, and it's to you I want to talk to. Um, so what does it mean that he won't break a bruised reed? So through my experience, and I don't judge God's word based on my experience, but God's word was faithful to my experience, uh, the promises of God are what kept me from breaking, from being snuffed out. Because at, at times I, I, didn't, I wasn't going to be able to hold on. Psalm 40, and you, O Lord, will never restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. And you, O Lord, will never restrain your mercy from me. That verse is an old friend. I rocked back and forth at night. I rocked back and forth reading that verse, just, just quoting it over and over and over again to myself. That verse is an old friend, and I think it's probably a friend to some of you here today too. Psalm 40, verse 11. Another one, you will never permit the righteous to be moved. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. How kind of God. How kind of God that he will provide us the way of escape as we're going through that. So it really came down to this. Do I take God at his word? Do we take God at his word? I should have given this, um, I should have given this, I I didn't let Johnny look at this before I um, came up here. And I, uh, I really wanted to, but I really felt like in the midst of that, I had to, um, I had to give a middle finger to all my frustrations, all my worries and anxieties, all my struggles. And uh, I had to let them go where they wanted to take me. And I said, well, fine. If I die, so what? Where do I go? So what? Bring it on. I had to get obstinate. I had to kind of had to get this, you can have my gun when you prop for my cold, dead hands kind of attitude. I had, to get a- I had to get an attitude with these things that were coming at me. I was being assaulted. And... Um, So because there were real physical symptoms and and there were real chest pains I was experiencing and real mental anxieties and doubts and fears and worries, I had to get obstinate and I had to get mean with God's word. And um, so I kind of had to dare my frustrations and I had to dare my, 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 my sin and my worries and my anxiety and my panic and my dread and I had to dare to do its worst. And I feel like that's where sometimes we're allowed to be brought to this place of desperation, to this place of come and get me, you know? That's all I had left. All I had left was Jesus Christ, and he was sufficient. So I clung to God's word um, as if my very sanity depended on it. And I think there would be some in here today that their grip is you couldn't pry the Bible out of your hands if you had a crowbar. You just couldn't do it. 
Um, and by faith, I had to cling to God's word. Like I said, do I take God at his word? Is this, do I believe him when he said the righteous will never permit the righteous to be moved? Do I believe him when he says, and you, O Lord, will never restrain your mercy from me? Do I believe that? And I was brought to that place of, do I believe that? And I thank God I was brought to that place. I may be brought to that place again. And, and some of you are being brought to that place now. And if you haven't, you will be if you live long enough. You will be brought to that place. So, Dr. Alchin, whom Amy and I have uh, met with on several occasions, has been a huge blessing to our marriage, uh, says this about faith. Faith is believing the word of God, and some of you may be able to recite this back to me. Faith is believing the word of God and acting on it. No matter how I feel, knowing that God promises a good result. So the pain was what felt real. No matter how I feel, I feel like the pain is the only thing that's connecting with me right now. Um, and there are some here today that may be bruised by suffering. And it doesn't have to be your fault. Maybe it's injustice that you're experiencing. Maybe it's hurt or offenses from other people. That, maybe it's the weight of your own sin that are breaking you. Those are, th- those are, or maybe it's the devil who roams around like a roaring lion seeking somebody to devour you know, we, we're bruised reeds, and this is, not a, this is not a safe time to be living for God's people. And um, is there anything more fragile than a bruised reed or a smoldering wick? But the same Lord who prophesied in Isaiah, that was prophesied of in Isaiah, and was witnessed by the multitudes in Matthew, is the same Lord that carries you in his hands. So if you're here and you're on the verge, he will never mishandle you. I want you to hear this. He will never mishandle you. He will never drop you. He will be careful with you. You are safe. He will never break you, and he will never extinguish you. He will not snuff you out. Holocaust survivor Corey Timboom says this, There is no pit so deep, yet Christ is deeper still. Richard Sibbs, was a 16th century preacher, says this, There is more mercy in Christ than sin in us, and I would say than struggles in us, and I would say than worries in us, and I would say than panic in us. There is more mercy in Christ than sin in us. How wonderful is that? There is no pit so deep that Christ is deeper still. Christ is deeper. And here's a promise also from Richard Sibbs. He says, Christ will not quench the smoking wick. Why? Two reasons. Because the spark you have is from heaven. It is his own. It is kindled by his spirit. He's not going to snuff himself out. Two, it glorifies him. When he preserves light, it glorifies him when he preserves light in the darkness. Those are two reasons why he will never snuff out the smoldering wick. So we know what the reed is. We know he won't break the reed. The third thing, why does he allow the bruising and the smoldering to begin with? Why does he do that? We know he loves us. We know he cares for us. We know he holds us in his hands. Why does he allow the bruising to begin with? 
I, I want us to be careful here with the folks that are struggling or suffering. Because I, I know this is a rearview mirror theology. This is something that you want to minister to people. Kind of you, 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 in the midst of suffering, it doesn't typically help people to say, oh, counter all joy. It doesn't, it doesn't really, it doesn't, it is the word of God. It is the word of God. But in that moment, it's not real helpful to say, Count it all joy, brothers. Count it joy. Don't you count this joy right now? Oh, man, this is some joy, you know? Um, Or rejoice in your sufferings. Glad tidings. Rejoice in your sufferings. You know, you just, ah, it's not, mm, it's not really, you know, it's not getting in there. You know what I'm saying? It's just, uh, so I want to be careful with that. I I know that it's, and, and, and for another reason, it's hard to repair an airplane and fly it, right? It's hard to repair an airplane and fly. You, you don't really want to work on the airplane when it's through the air. You know, this is, suffering is, is uh, the maintenance is meant to be done before takeoff or maybe once you land, do the maintenance then, you know. Suffering is something we need to prepare for. It's something that we want to be heaping this stuff on our hearts so that when we walk through something like that, we're not always going to be ready and we may not ever be ready. But the Word of God is in our hearts and the Holy Spirit will bring it to our minds so, um, Sibs says this. He says, after conversion, we need bruising. Hmm. We need it. So the reeds may know themselves to be reeds and not oaks. To let us see that we live by mercy. We live by mercy. We need his mercy. That's why they're new every day. We need it. Bruising makes us set a high value on Christ. Then the gospel becomes the good news indeed. There the fig leaves of morality will do us no good. It makes us more thankful and from there more fruitful. Um, how thankful are we when we've been bruised? How thankful, how, how amazed at the grace of God. How much do we value Christ as we've gone through suffering? So... Once we've gone through it, we can say, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, knowing this, that the suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character. So we count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, dot, dot, dot. So, this is why he allows bruising. It's not easy. It doesn't make it easy to hear. This is a rearview mirror thing, but I want you all to be cared for today because God has provided means for us. He has provided the way of escape for us in his word. And he has held us in the, in, in the refuge of his hands. He has held me in the refuge of his hands. I'd be willing to bet I would go down the line, go down the line and he has held Liz in the refuge of his hands. He has held the crows in the refuge of his hands. So, uh, moved up here three years ago, a little, maybe a little over three years ago. Um, 
I met a friend of, my, friend of all of ours, Paul Seymour. Everybody knows him. Paul and Ashley, we love him. Um, he started to experience this. And I, I don't know where you're at with this, but I'm going to throw it out there. He had a dream. And in that dream, which I believe that God uses those to speak to his people, he had a dream of me on an operating table, jacked into EKGs. I don't know if jacked in is the right term. I just keep saying it. I'm not sure. But he's, you know, the, all that stuff. So he came and talked to Johnny about it. Johnny goes, you may want to have a conversation with Travis on this. Um, and so he goes, yeah, just take my word for it. Let, let's go talk to, you need to talk to Travis. And so we did, and we got to connect. And he had a dream about me on, uh, in an ER, hooked up to EKG monitors, seeing the blips on the screen. He didn't know anything about that about me. The Lord is kind. God is kind to us. He's kind to his people, and he provides a way of escape. And he didn't have to go through that alone. He got to be cared for by the church. We came around him. The church came around him, ministered to him. So, but I do want to say that you may not have an answer why, and, and we don't get to, you know, we, we may not get to know why. Um, but we know that faith is believing the word of God, acting on it, no matter how I feel, knowing that God promises a good result. And God will provide a good result. And even if you need to, say, bring it on to these struggles, and those struggles do come, or the suffering does come, or, or your fears are realized, Christ waits for us. He waits for his people. And he will be with us, and we'll be with him. So I want to finish up. I've got, I've got two. I've got two songs, some lyrics I, I want to read. Um, the first one you may recognize. Um, it was sang by the great theologian Johnny Cash, um, <laughs> which he got from a philosopher named uh, Trent Reznor. Um, but uh, he says, <laughs> I hurt myself today to see if I still feel. I focus on the pain, the only thing that's real. The needle tears a hole, the old familiar sting. Try to kill it all away, but I remember everything. What have I become, my sweetest friend? Everyone I know goes away in the end. There's not much hope there. And sometimes the pain is the only thing that seems real. And the world doesn't have a category for suffering or pain. It doesn't. This is what this category looks like for the world. They try to kill it all away with drugs or with whatever is going to take their mind off, whatever they're walking through. And I'm not, I'm not saying that if you're walking through struggle, medication, it's a gift from God, okay? I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Don't hear that. Um, Thankful to God for doctors. Uh, a good friend of mine actually is a doctor in pharmaceuticals this year, so thank God that uh, 
thankful that you are in the industry and you know what you're doing. So don't hear that, uh, that I'm not thankful for God using doctors to provide these means for us. Um, but I don't think that's what he's going for here. I don't think that's what he's talking about. The second one is by Sarah Groves. And it goes like this. Call it what you will, I call it rain. When troubles come and pat against my soul, go in if you like, I will remain. And let the washing waters make me whole. Just when I'm sure that I can't bear the rain, a tiny leaf starts pushing through the ground. In a place where the ground was too dry to sustain it, a new tiny flower can be found. So, Christ is what gets us through the rain. He's the prophesied Messiah in Isaiah. He's the fulfilled Messiah in Matthew. And he's with us. He's with us today, and he's with us for our struggle. So if you're here today, and you identify more with Nine Inch Nails than you do with Sarah Groves, I'm so thankful you're here. Hospitals are for the sick. So um, I want to encourage you to put your life in the safest place, and that's in the hands of Jesus. That's in the cradle of his word. Um, and he will sustain you. You will never permit the righteous to be moved. You will never restrain your mercy from me, Lord. So um, a bruised reed he will not break, nor smoldering wick will he put out. So uh, if that is you and you felt the Lord calling you to himself this morning, Johnny's going to be on hand up here to pray for folks. Um, and we want to pray and we want to thank the Lord. And uh, so let me pray real quick for us. And um, God, thank you so much. Thank you, Lord. God, you're faithful. You, are the, you, you go out like a mighty man, Lord. You go out like a mighty man prepared for battle, Lord, for your people. You are, you are jealous for your people. You will have glory, Lord God. And God, we thank you so much. We thank you, Lord. We fight to thank you, Lord, through the pain. We fight to thank you, Lord. We fight to praise you, Lord. You're worthy. God, we thank you for this church. Thank you for your word. God, we pray this morning. I pray for these folks today, Lord. You are relevant, God. You are relevant, Lord. So no matter what we're walking through, Lord God, And so, God, we thank you for Jesus where he took care of our greatest need on the cross. We thank you for Jesus that on him every sin was laid. We thank you for Jesus, Lord God, so that we have hope now, Lord God. We have hope, and we know that you will use our struggles and our sufferings and our trials, Lord God. You will use them for your your glory and our good. God, we thank you so much. Praise be to your name, Lord God. We, We pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.